We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. We are happy to talk with you. And joining me, Mr. him on Tuesday, the one and only Michael Fachi. Fachi, what's up, brother? Hey, I'm back. Man, talking Pacer basketball, nothing beats it. But, man, I mean, when you say nothing beats it, I thought the Pacers were about to get beat. Instead, they mount an 18-point comeback, end up taking down their Orlando Magic in overtime. Alex, what were your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, it was kind of interesting here because Halliburton was only 7-16 from the field. Buddy Hill was 6-17. Brogdon was 8-18, of 18, so nobody shot in that group above 50%. O'Shea Brissett was 1-7. for seven. He was terrible. But Isaiah Jackson, in 23 minutes, he was 8 for 8 from the field with seven rebounds, and he had one block, one steal, but unfortunately he fouled out in just 23 minutes. So, you know, it was a little bit difficult for him. And then I thought, of course, our guy, Jalen Smith, coming off the bench was just massive once again, 15 points, 15 rebounds. Team was plus 27, okay, plus 27 with Jalen Smith on the court. So overall, to me, I thought this was a really good game for Brogdon. Um, I know fans probably didn't want to see that because a loss is as good as a win now, as some would say. But um, I thought he was trying to give it away there at the at the closing moments. He missed a free throw, had a wide open layup, and just completely overshot it. So I thought, okay, maybe Brogdon's trying to give this game away. But um, overall, I think it's clear to say that Jalen Smith is the team's best big man with Miles Turner out. Oh, yeah. Jalen Smith, just to put it in perspective, three double-doubles in eight games as a pacer. 
He had four double-doubles in his career before those eight games with the Pacers. So this man has been fully unleashed, looked phenomenal, 15 and 15. I mean, whoa. And, and he's just, I don't know, it, it just looks, everything he does out there, it just makes you feel like, wow, I'm really excited. We have to find a way to keep him. But the better he plays, the less likely that he might continue playing in Indiana. So pretty tough. But Isaiah Jackson, I've said it before, foul trouble. The other bigs on this team, I feel like it's the only thing that could stop him right now because Isaiah Jackson, his time is coming. Uh, he continues to get better and better. One thing that I love from watching the game, Tyrese Halliburton, Isaiah Jackson, it feels like they're developing a connection. You know, uh, Halliburton has that that kind of he's driving down the lane, he's floating it right to Isaiah, who's just putting it right in. Like those lobs right over there, and they have something going over there. Can't wait to see that combination develop. But like you mentioned, it was a gross game for a while. The Pacers, they were, they were in it for a while, but no one was really shooting great from the field. But when it mattered most in the fourth quarter and overtime, they turned it around. And for that, you could start to build on a little bit of momentum. But, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. The schedule has been lighter, so I don't know what to believe. Well, you want me to tell you uh... – one player that's really not making a good case for himself to be brought back next year is Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, this stretch, the last nine games, Fachi, 25.9% from three, 25% from the field. He's playing in 15, he's playing 15 minutes a game, almost 16 minutes a game. He's averaging one assist, one steal, and one rebound with those numbers. He's completely really playing himself out of the rotation. He's been a minus 18 when he's been on the floor, I just look at this guy and I thought to myself, you know, there was a stretch there in January where I really thought this kid is something, you know, he could be a, a legit rotation player. Like I really felt that because of the, you know, the shooting ability, but uh, this new fast paced offense has this absolutely not worked for him. And we know that he's not a good defender either. So you're talking about really horrific offense mixed with really bad defense not a good sign. No, it, it's been tough. Look, I've said before, he's a streaky shooter. When he's hot, he's sizzling. But he hasn't been hot in quite some time. Uh, you know, one of nine, like you just talked about, that's more shots than Isaiah Jackson got up. It's more shots than O'Shea Brissett got up. Jalen Smith, those are guys that played 10 to 20 more minutes than, than Dwayne Washington. So, uh, you know, not something that you want to see. If, if You know, you want to say shoot or shoot, but at the same point, uh, I don't think he's earned the right to, you know, be going these these one of nine games, uh, you know, recently one of six. I mean, it's it's been tough. So yeah. when we talked about recently, uh, hey, I, I brought it up. Are the Pacers, what are they going to do with that open roster spot? Do they convert, you know, maybe, you know, one of the two-way players? Now, look, if you're going to do that, it's clearly you go with Terry Taylor at Dwayne Washington right now. You need to see more of a sample size. I do think that he still played better than two-way players that we've had in the past. Yeah. But – Unfortunately, that doesn't say too much. Yeah, and then his, uh, you know, the only person that might be playing worse than him at this point is Gogo Batadze. Uh, th just three minutes, Fachi. Just three minutes for this game. And in that short three-minute stretch, he's down low guarding Wendell Carter Jr. I posted a video of this on to my Twitter account. Wendell Carter Jr. puts a little bit of a shoulder into him. Gogo backs up about a good, like, foot or two. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. sees the rim and just, just throws down a ferocious dunk right in Goga's grill. And it's like, Goga's supposed to be known for his defense and his rim protection. And Wendell Carter Jr. is a little bit smaller than him. You know, not not much. But, I mean, for a littler guy to just push Goga around like that and then dunk on his head, 
you know, it's really sad because look, at this point, I wrote an article about the big man rotation on 8.9 seconds, and I really highlighted why Goga, Terry Taylor, and Isaiah Jackson need to be getting a bulk of the minutes over Jalen Smith because of the unlikelihood that Jalen Smith is brought back. We've talked about this. Goga Batadze has been so bad that even for a tanking team, Rick Carlisle can't find more than three minutes for him in the rotation. So, you know, I know we're not trying to completely lose games, and they're talking about this is an opportunity to develop and, and see what guys can do. But, man, it's like you're not even giving Goga more than three minutes. I think the writing's on the wall here for Batadze. It's got to be. He played one minute against OKC. I mean, it's just like, come <laughs> on. You know, and, and his highlight over the past week is probably trucking Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown getting a technical because yeah. he got pissed about it. So, I mean, there really has not been a Goga highlight in, in quite some time. You know, I haven't seen anything to – to you know write home about but yeah the writing's on the wall I, I think Goga probably should not be next year I think they'll find some way you know maybe you could package him with like a second round pick or something like that you know something yeah. where they'll, they'll find some way to I, I trust KP and, and the staff but overall the Pacers had a, a bounce back performance because look you don't want to see the Pacers down 18 to the lowly Orlando Magic who are going to be picking top two or, you know, top three. So not something you want to see. Yes, they, they get a win over here. The Pistons are coming to town. Ugh, it's hard to avoid this soft schedule, but we are starting to see some glimmers of hope. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the pairing of Brogdon and Halliburton so far. Yeah, I think it's worked. I think yes. it's interesting to continue to hear what Rick Carlisle has to say. Um, I don't know. Praise. I don't know if people were uh, able to check out my Twitter, but I, I, I've been trying to track what Carlisle is saying about Malcolm Brogdon, because I just find it so fascinating that he's so, like, enamored with him. So on Friday, after they lost to OKC, he said about Brogdon, look, I love him as a player. He's exactly what we need. Sunday after they beat Boston, he said, the key guy is Brogdon. He plays, and we're a totally different basketball team. After this game, he said about Brogdon, he's the best all-around player on our team. So they're both Virginia Cavaliers, so there is that connection. I think Brogdon is a quiet leader. I don't think he's a vocal leader. Maybe he is a little bit more than I think, but it doesn't seem like it. Um, I've gone back and forth with this. I talked with Scott Agnes about this, and I really feel like this is Rick just overpraising a player that could be on the move potentially in the offseason. I think that's what I'm leaning more towards. So he's building up that, that stock a little bit because he did the same thing with Karis LeVert pretty much the whole month of January. Anytime LeVert played, he's like, oh, he's a terrific two-way player. He can play a point for us. We really like when he plays point. You know, everything was positive about LeVert, never anything negative. So, you know, Brogdon's not shot the ball well. He hasn't been on him for, you know, having, you know, underwhelming shooting percentages. It's just like, yeah, he's a great player. We're better with him on the floor. And I think that's true. I do think it's true. But is it the right fit long-term? I don't know. But I, uh, I think that him and Halliburton can work. And if they decide to go that route, I don't have a problem with it, actually. Um, I, I think they're a, a pretty complimentary duo, but at the same time, I don't know if you noticed late down in, in the late game situation, the ball is in Brogdon's hands a lot. And if I'm the Pacers, I would prefer that to be in Halliburton's hands, especially as we're trying to develop and, and grow these players over the next couple of games. Completely agree. Look, Brogdon is very much bringing value to the court. I mean, we saw he was really good against the Celtics. I mean, since he's been back, I've crunched some numbers. He's a plus 28 in those three games that he's played. He's averaging 22 points on 46% shooting, 55% from three, seven rebounds, six assists. I mean, just the guy's been good. 
But just like you mentioned, it's the direction of the team. It's that we need to make, we need to give Tyrese Halliburton every opportunity to be successful here. You know, be able to take the shot in the end. I know Brogdon went for a shot, which, you know, could have won it, uh, you know, missed, missed the layup at the end and you know, no, no knock on that, but I want to see Tyrese Halliburton going for some of these game winners. So I, I if they did bring Brogdon back, like, look, I, I'd like to, you know, we can still give it a larger sample size. There's still, you know, roughly 20 games left in the year to give it a sample size, mm-hmm. but Carlisle, I mean, we, I know we were talking about the magic, but this man's a magician. He knows how to get value up there. And I think there could be a way to, you know, continue to boost Brogdon's stock and then revisit it in the off season and see what you want to do. I saw some Pacer fans already saying like, we take this guy for granted. Like, what are we doing? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, guys, we're not ready to win. All right. We're allowed to say that Brogdon's a good player, but just might not fit what we're doing next year. Well, and I've gone back and forth and I'm like, man, really, I, I think Brogdon makes a lot of sense. But the problem is every time you talk about talk about Brogdon, you talk yourself into him, then you look on the sideline and he's hurt again. That's the biggest problem here. That's he's missed thing. 35 to 40 percent of his games here as a member of the Indiana Pacers in three years. Look, I would love to have Brogdon, but if he's only going to be here for you know, just right above half the games per year. No, I'm not going to invest long-term into that. So I think that's where I really I have to just draw the line. Even if I like the on-court skill set of Halliburton and Brogdon, I have to really put it in, put it into perspective. Brogdon's not healthy enough for me to be paying this man as potentially the highest paid pacer on this roster. So that's the problem I have with it. Um, I know he was reelected as vice president of the NBA Players Association. He's well-respected across the league. Um, he's a good ball player, but he just he cannot stay healthy, Pachi. He truly can't. Brog is the kind of guy, if I met him, I would bubble wrap my own hand just to make sure that I don't hurt his. Because at this point, he's had little injuries here and there. It just feels like there's always something going on. Now, look, has he looked better since resting as much as he did? Absolutely. The Pacers have done a good job of keeping him fresh, and he looks, you know, fired up. I like the idea that they're not playing him in back-to-backs. Uh, you know, you got to give him a rest here and there. But it's just we dodged a bullet when Oladipo didn't accept, you know, the the $120 million offer over here. You know, now we're running into a scenario where maybe we bring TJ Warren back, maybe we don't. But Brogdon's the kind of guy that it's like by his history, history shows this guy can't stay healthy. While he's a great player when he's healthy, he's rarely healthy. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to do a fun little exercise here. We're going to rank the Pacers in order based on how we see their uh, long-term future here with the uh, with the team. And so just trying to determine value, I guess, moving forward, uh, who's the most valuable to this team. So kind of a weird way to, a weird way to put it, but uh, we uh, thought it was really going to be cool to just go through and kind of just dissect this roster and tier it and, and put it in an order of, who we think is, you know, considered the most valuable on this team moving forward. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi, let's jump right into it. So we're going to have a total of 18 spots here, two draft picks in the first round, and then the 16-man Pacers roster. So we're going to start in inverse order. We're going to start at number 18. Who is the least important to this Pacers future, Fachi? Kiefer Sykes. Look, it was a great story for Kiefer. The man lived out his dream, but I think, unfortunately, that might be, you know, that might be the end of it. Because, look, he's finished February, four points per game, 25% shooting. He's undersized. He's worked his butt off to get to this point. Do not mistake that, but I just don't see him in the future for the Pacers. Yeah, so I went with Ricky Rubio here at 18. I just feel like, you know, with the injury, with him not really being a part of this team's long-term future, you're just getting cap space for him. So he doesn't do anything for this team. And I still think um, if you're looking at the two players, I think Sykes has a better chance of coming back next year than Rubio being on this roster. So that's why I put him at 18. I don't know where you have Rubio on this list. Um, But I just felt like if a guy didn't even come over from his own country to be on the roster, he won't be available until January. I don't really see a future here with Ricky Rubio. Next on my list, I have Ricky Rubio. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Out of respect for what Rubio has done in his career, I put it one spot above Keeper Sykes. Yeah. It it just, it's like more like I'm, I'm giving him respect for what he did compared to what he's going to do because this man's never going to don a Pacers jersey. Look, you know, he could bring a lot of positive stuff to a team, but given the fact that he's expiring, his injury, it just it doesn't make sense. So that's why I have him 17th on the list. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, I went with the complete opposite logic of you. I said, because Keeper Sykes been on our podcast, <laughs> he did a one-on-one interview with me for 8.9 seconds. Respect. And he's actually played in a Pacers uniform. I couldn't put him last. I, there's just no way I could do it. So I have him at 17. Let's move on to 16. Who you got? I got Goga Patase. Right, right here with look, you. I'm right here with you. It's 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 rough. I, there was about a, a 10 day span where I, I had a little Goga fever, a little Goga mania, where I was like, I don't know, give the man some minutes. Those minutes, I'm taking them back. All right, look, we're we're down to three minutes. You know, uh, I just don't think he remains a pacer to to this point moving forward. I, I think that he's not on the opening day roster. I, I think, you know, not to say we're gonna TJ leave him. But, you know, you attach a second-round pick, you know, he could easily be dumped to OKC before you even know it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the song Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Please don't wake me up until he go-goes because I'm ready for Batadze to be off this roster. Um, He's just wasting space, to be honest with you. Should not have picked up his fourth-year rookie option. I understand why they did it, trust me. I understand it because – you could have the same situation like Jalen Smith. He gets traded. All of a sudden, he plays well. People are like, oh, the Pacers are idiots. But no, Gogo Batadze, he just has not been a good fit here whatsoever and uh, not a long-term fit with this team. So let's move on to number 15. Who you got? I got Dwayne Washington Jr. Look, the man, it, it, it's, a, it's a hard slump right now. But it's just shooting's always going to be a beat. So look, Dwayne, I, I, he's like I mentioned, he's been better than previous two-way you know, players that we've had the past he's had some big games for us but 
It's also been quite a bit since some of those big games. So, look, he's, he's on that two-way deal. I, I think he'll return as a pacer, but I don't think that he's going to be someone that, you know, is a major, major part. At times where he's looked good, it's been great, but he hasn't really looked good lately. Yeah, if you'd asked me this after the Pelicans game, I probably would have had him higher, just thinking he yeah. might actually be part of the, the long-term future. But, no, I think we got enough guards here now that Dwayne Washington Jr. is exposable. So, uh, number 14, who you got? I got TJ McConnell. Uh, okay. It, it hurts to, you know, have such a fall from grace, but look, it's very possible that McConnell may have played his last game as a pacer. Still has three years left on the deal, roughly $21 million, but it's obvious that he wasn't a Carlisle guy. He doesn't fit our scheme. It was painfully awkward watching him attempt to shoot threes. And I think he actually does fit many other teams, but due to our depth at point guard, I, I just feel like someone's got to go. His contract is very obtainable, and I, I just think that McConnell might have played his last game as a Pacer. Yeah, so I, I have McConnell just one spot above this uh, next person I'm going to mention, and so that's going to be Lance Stevenson. This Ooh. was a tough one for me. I know fans love him. Um, our fan of the week that we did our interview with today, that'll be aired on Saturday, talked about Lance Stevenson being a favorite of his. So. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy Lance as a person, as a player on this team. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him gone. I just feel like a 31-year-old man who was basically has a redemption story. He only can play great in the NBA, I guess, for the Pacers, and it's not even great. It's just good. You know, for me, it's just like I love Lance, the player for this Pacers team, but in terms of the future, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to really, you know, he doesn't bring much value to the future of this team, except for putting butts in seats um, for fans that do enjoy him. But in terms of on-court play, um, at best, when this team's fully healthy, he's a third-string point guard. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. Next on my list, I have Lance. Look, okay. Flat out, he's been a positive influence for this team. He could play one through three. He's matured. He's hungry. Loves playing in Indiana, and the fans love him back. But, you know, when we're entering, you know, the next level of this, like, how many reunions will there be with Lance? We were lucky to have three stints with Lance as a pacer. This could be the end. He's actually played better for us, you know, than, than he's played in his last. I mean, this for, for his standards, this is a good Lance year. But I just feel like moving forward, I don't know if he's in the cards for the team. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt about TJ McConnell, which you had just brought up for your 14. He's my 13. So, you know, McConnell's a fine player. Don't get me wrong. He's a uh, he's he's good at what he's allowed to do in terms of, you know, I think last year I made a funny meme of him, called him man of steel, uh, S T E A L uh, and, and put his head on Superman's body as a joke, because that's kind of what I see TJ McConnell as is, you know, a scrappy player, a guy that can't shoot the basketball, but he is, you know, really fluid with the offense. I think they've missed him in certain areas this year for sure. He's able to play fast. I think this new style of play will help him a little bit because he's able to play fast, but at the same time, there's just limitations to his game. And with the team getting a little bit younger and having a really good point guard, how important is McConnell to this team moving forward? I don't think it's as important as some people might think because um, he is a limited player in what he can do, but he still does bring great value to the team in other areas. So uh, let's move on to number 12. Who you got? got Terry Taylor. Look, Man, I'm right there with you. We're, oh, we're in yeah. sync on this one. Yeah, I mean, look, ever since, you know, Isaiah Jackson came back, Terry's seen his minutes take a bit of a hit, but he's been absolutely nothing short of a diamond in the rough find for the Pacers. At 6'5", you know, 
I, I saw his rebounding numbers. I didn't think they would translate. I was wrong. The man's a phenomenal rebounder. He's shooting 60% from the field. I think he's going to continue to develop as a shooter. We've already seen times where he's gone, you know, say like one of one from three or, you know, he's, he's showing three-point capability. So I think he's one of those guys that's going to end up having a really good offseason and come back as, as an even better player. So uh, mm-hmm. I like what the Pacers found in Terry Taylor. Yeah, I do too. I think he should be a part of the long-term uh, 15-man roster. I have him at 12. I don't think he has to be an everyday rotational player for this team. But I really like the potential that he has uh, moving forward. So let's go to number 11. I got the Cleveland Cavaliers first round pick. Okay. Uh, You know, not sure if this pick even ends up playing for the Pacers. Feels like, you know, really good trade bait. Like maybe the Pacers take this pick, package it with the Rockets pick, try and move up. Maybe they, they package this pick with, you know, likely the fifth overall pick and maybe try and move into third or fourth. I, I don't know. But uh, if you end up keeping the pick, I do think that there's a lot of good players that could be available in that, say, I don't know, anywhere from like 18 to 25 range. I know it's a, it's a wide range, but say maybe 20 to 25. I think you could find a, a talented freshman, you know, in, uh, right now in college that could end up developing. I mean, look where the Pacers got Isaiah Jackson. They ended up trading back in and they got him at 22. So a player of his caliber could very well be there. Yeah, this is a really hard one for me because um, I have the first overall pick in a different spot. It's a little bit higher. It's just hard for me to, like, put that in a spot because I don't know what exactly they're going to do with the pick, depending on who they get. Like, look, they could be at 18. We've seen players like John Collins get drafted at 18, 19, and be phenomenal players. So could the Pacers find a diamond in the rough? Later in the first round, I think it's very possible. And if we're looking at the future, I think that first round pick, if it is anything, you know, productive to some degree, will at least be here for the next four years. And I could not say the same about the players. I'm going to say just above it. So that's why I'm going to go at number 11 with Buddy Heald. Um, I probably have him a little bit lower than you do. But the reason I do is because he is, I believe, 29 years old, will be 30 by the start of next season. Some people question if he's not already older than that. And you have to think long-term, is he a perfect fit for this team? Probably not. Uh, He's really not a good defender, but offensively he is fun to watch because he can light it up. But we've also seen a couple of different games here where he's been really poor from the field as well. So you get the hot, you get the cold with Buddy Heald. I'm curious how much of this is just like a, you know, kind of like a, a new start for him, a fresh start from in Indiana, but it won't last forever. I think we have a long, a much larger sample size of who Buddy Heald is from his stint in uh, New Orleans and in Sacramento to say, look, even though he's on the Pacers and he's playing pretty well in this new system, I still think that he is a limited player. So I have him at 11. Okay. Uh, moving on to my next guy, I have Jalen Smith. And the reason I have him this low is because the odds are, are stacked against the Pacers to keep him. It feels like after each game, the chances of him re-signing is just lower and lower. But since joining the Pacers, he's averaging 13 points, eight rebounds on 56% shooting. Uh, he's doing it in just 25 minutes per game. So you can only imagine what he'd be doing if he was getting, say, 30 minutes per game. It looks very promising. And if given a full season with his teammates and obviously the Pacers, I think that he would be able to keep those numbers up because it just looks like he's he's turned the page. Yeah, I too had Jalen Smith here at number 10. I had a hard time placing him because you look at his on-court production and you think, man, he could be a great part of this team's future. 
but just the unlikelihood of actually being able to keep him is what holds me back from putting him up any higher above the the nine other players and and or potential players that I have. So I too have Jalen Smith at number 10. Now let's get into our single digit numbers here at number nine. Who you got? I got TJ Warren. Boom, right here. I'm tied with you too. The Pacers are a loyal franchise, you know, when they like their guys. And honestly, man, most of the splits that happen is actually when the player wants out. And we, from everything we've heard is that TJ Warren wants to be here. But given that he's played four games in two years and we don't know if he's going to make a return, that with every day that passes, it seems less and less likely that Warren is going to return to the court this year. So I feel like he's someone that, you know, we start, I almost wanted to say, man, Warren's had some of his best years in Indiana. When you look back, it was actually just one year. That's how much time has gone by, but he was the Pacers' leading scorer. And if he can get healthy or healthy enough to prove to the team, I mean, look, he he, fit, he serves a big need for the Pacers, being able to play that small ball four, you know, that, that power forward that, you know, can defend, you can also play the three. Warren brings a lot. That's great. But there's so many question marks with him. Yeah, I had him at nine because – and I had him above Buddy Heald only because if he's healthy, right, I know it's a big question mark, but if he's healthy, he provides a position of need for this Pacers team that they desperately need, a three-level score. And it would be great to just see him out there for like a game or two this season just to see him get his feet wet, show what he can do. He's an unrestricted free agent. You know, I think the ball really is in the Pacers court now and determining how much they're able to give him, what they're willing to give him, what he – wants to take you know he's already said it multiple times he wants to be here so I think even if you do give him a team-friendly contract and he accepts it uh, you have to at least be somewhat optimistic about the potential upside that he could bring to this team but at the same time similar to my point about Brogdon in the first segment you just can't stay healthy you can't count on him 70 percent of his games probably at the end of the season will be missed uh, with his time in Indiana so that's not a ringing endorsement to bring him back, but I just like the potential of what he could bring if he's able to stay healthy. Moving over next, I have O'Shea Brissett. Uh, look, the Pacers, I think they, they truly found something with O'Shea. Since entering the starting lineup, getting you know far more consistent, near 30 minutes per game, he's taking his game to the next level. I know the last you know game or two, he hasn't looked great, but at 6'7", he's dynamic. He could be a small ball big at times when he has to be. He shows flashes from three-point range. I mean, against I think it was against the Celtics. It was six threes, 27 points. Uh, I think that he rebounds very well for his size, and he's just 23 years old. I feel like at times he's kind of the forgotten pacer, but uh, I think since the trade, I mean, he's really stepped his game up. Yeah, so this is going to be a curveball probably for you here too. I have Malcolm Brogdon at number Ooh. eight. Only reason why is what we talked about earlier. I just feel like everything that Carlisle is saying with his age, with the direction of this team, he is likely to be dealt. I think that he's a really good player um, when he's healthy, but he can't stay healthy. I think that there is some negative uh, perception about him from a lot of fans. I think the organization probably sees and hears that. Now, if that is part of the reason they make a move, then shame on them for listening to the fan base that much. But, you know, I think Brogdon's a good player, not a great player. And I'm looking at the future of this team. I just don't see him in the long-term future of this team. Uh, and I couldn't put him above any of the other guys I think that could be here for like, you know, at least three to four more years potentially. So that is why I have Brogdon at eight, but let's move on to number seven. Number seven, I got 
Hmm. Malcolm Brogdon. That okay. is exactly who I have right over there. So you're not too far off. But look, I, I feel like the extended layoff I mentioned, I think it's done wonders for Brogdon. But how many times can you give the man an extended layoff? I mean, at some point, that means he's got to be missing a ton of games. So at just 29, it almost makes you like look twice because he feels like one of the oldest 29 year olds in the league. Um, he, he's been hot since returning, but you know, who knows? And you hope not that, you know, nothing happens where he doesn't break down. I would love if the Pacers are able to continue to see this experiment. I do think that he can be a positive influence on Tyrese Halliburton and the rest of the team, but I don't want there to be a clash where, you know, Brogdon maybe then isn't playing as much. And then it starts to potentially not to say be a distraction, but I just don't want that day to have to come. I would prefer if the Pacers were able to you know, move on before anything got ugly. Um, and I just think that he just doesn't fit the direction of the team because I don't see us being competitive right away. Completely agree. And that's why we were very close. More we had him ranked for me at number seven. This is where I have the first overall pick from Cleveland. Look, I don't know who this player is going to be. It's why it's such a mystery. Could they use the Rockets pick and the Cleveland pick and move up into the later lottery or that 15 to 18 range and go out and get a long-term player, it's possible. I don't know what they're going to do with this pick. I, I don't anticipate the Pacers taking three players from this draft and having them on the roster long-term, but I could see two. And one of the guys that you're going to hear more about in, in Fachi's conversation here in our final segment with Rafael Barlow is Nikola Jovic. This is a guy that I talked about on the Mailbag podcast that I'm really intrigued by. If the Pacers can move up to get him, I think he fits a position of need for this team. Um, and I'll let Raphael explain more about his game and what he brings to the table. But that's why I have the Cavs pick as number seven. So let's move on to our top six. Fasha, who you got? Could take some heat for this, but I got Miles Turner. Now, Ooh. look, I would love to see Turner out there so we can get a full look at him being the sole big, something that everybody's talked about for years now that, hey, if Sabonis wasn't there, Turner would put up those numbers and, and everything that goes with that. However, the more that we see Isaiah Jackson do things like go eight for eight and, and have five blocks in games and three blocks there and catch these alley-oops, and then we see Jalen Smith playing really, really well, it makes you feel like, yes, Turner is an elite rim protector. Never get that you know, mistaken. But there's more to be desired about his game. And with one year left on his contract, man, I, I just don't know if you can take the risk and just have it not work out and then end up not getting anything for Turner. If, if Turner can come back healthy and, and there's a good offer on the table, I mean, the Pacers have other needs. I think right now I, I want to see some more Isaiah Jackson. And I think that unfortunately does make Miles a bit expendable. Yeah, so I'll, I will save my thoughts on Miles for when I bring him up. So for me at number six, this is where I have O'Shea Brissett. Uh, feel like this is a really young, good young player. We've seen him play pretty well. Didn't play great in Orlando. Um, not at all, actually. But the other games that we've seen him play in this new style and this new uh, offensive system, I think he's looked really good. And defensively, he's shown that he's taken steps forward, too, as well this year. I posted a clip on Twitter of him just playing terrific lockdown defense. And I think we're slowly starting to see him develop into that. And he, like T.J. Warren, is able to play both the three and the four. So there is a lot of potential and upside there with O'Shea Brissett. So I really like him at number six. Let's move on to your number five, Fach. This is a player that we were very uh, different. You know, we, we differed on. Buddy Heald. Yeah, yeah, what is up with this long-term future, Buddy, at five? Buddy Heald. Yes, this man could be shopped. The contract is, is appealing to many. But <laughs> Buddy's been a great surprise since coming to the Pacers. I actually 
haven't heard a single bad thing since he's come to Indiana. No, you're right. Because when he, when he was coming over here, you know, we heard some things. Oh, you know, he thinks he's way better than he is, or he's not working hard enough. This is whatever it was. Look, he looks as happy as can be, and he can get hot at any moment. We've already seen it. You know, if you went just by the numbers, you know, I know the Pacers aren't playing for much right now, but he would be having a career year. Uh, he's averaging just under 21 points per game. He's shooting 48%, shooting 38% from three. And it's a small sample size. It's just eight games. But the Pacers are going to need three-point shooting. And before Buddy came over here, they really didn't have much of it at all. So I, I do think that there is a need for Buddy Heald. And I do think playing in Sacramento, not winning, and, and just how unhappy he was there, I think that could really bring you down. And a nice change of scenery can work wonders for some. This is what makes us a, a really good dynamic of a podcast duo because, you know, for the most part, we're right along with each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, Dang. I've got Buddy yep. at 11, you got him at five. And I'm like sitting here listening to your point. And I'm just thinking to myself, water finds its level. Uh, that's how I feel about Dang. it. I, I think Buddy's good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good player, good NBA player, but I think he'd be more beneficial on a championship level team. Of course than starting on a bottom feeder in the Eastern Conference where he's got the freedom to do whatever he wants, uh, there's really no consequences to what he's doing right now. But uh, my number five, this is where I have Miles Turner. And so real quick, I just want to say this. Look, I feel almost hypocritical being so defensive for Miles Turner right now because I've been one of the leaders of the, you know, I think he's much overrated by a lot of the fan base that loves him. At the same time, some of the fans have just become a little bit over the top with their hate for Miles Turner. Look, looking at this big man rotation for the Pacers, stop it. Miles Turner is far and above the best center on this team. I understand Jalen Smith has looked good, but look, this is a team that has no aspirations to win. It's it's literally just go out there and play and try your best. It's no, there's no pressure to it. Miles Turner is an elite-level rim protector. He can stretch the floor out to a certain degree, put the ball on the floor. This team's defense sucks right now. They're 26 in defense overall, Fachi. So for me, it's like Miles Turner, as much as I have been a hater of Miles Turner, as a lot of people have said, and we'll, we'll just bring it up because we never did on the podcast. You know, he was call, he called me out on Twitter in, in a joking way uh, about getting a girl and whatever like that. Like, you know, I don't care if it's, uh, you know, if, if I'm not the biggest Turner guy, but – for, for goodness sake, we got to put some respect on his name at least and give him the credit he deserves because, look, without Sabonis here, he is by far the best center on this team right now. No uh, doubt. And, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, potentially you could want to invest in Isaiah Jackson more long-term and not overpay Miles to a certain degree. But right now, I mean, Isaiah Jackson isn't even, you know, close to the player that Miles Turner is for this Pacers team when fully healthy. No, and maybe one thing that I should have put in is what swayed my is when I mentioned one year left on the deal, it's when we're talking about the future. Well, that's fair. Yeah, it's like, do we see him getting another five-year contract in Indiana or, you know, something of the sort? Mm -hmm. So that, that, that was part of what factored in over here. But moving on to my next one, another guy that we just talked about, it's Isaiah Jackson. Look, yep. I'm a big fan of his. I am. I'm letting that be known. I, I think that he has a massive amount of potential. I, I said it before. I think foul trouble and the other bigs in the rotation is what's stopping him right now. Because if this guy can stay out of foul trouble, he's really good. I mean, when he finished around the – I mean, 8 of 8 against Orlando Magic, just, just catching lobs, like, effortlessly. So I think that once he can continue to develop a shot, like a – I know Carla hates mid-rangers, but you can, if you can develop a mid-ranger, he's even worked on his three-point game. 
I think there's a lot more to be desired about his game that I think we will get to see. So I think this guy's learned from. Yeah, I thought Isaiah Jackson did knock down a little bit of a, like an 18-footer the other night. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was Wednesday or Monday, but I did see him knock it down, and it was like cash money. So I think the shot is clearly there. It just has to be developed over time with more consistency. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, he's got to learn how to stay out of foul trouble. He's going to learn how to put some weight on his body, put some muscle Definitely. on his body. He is about two to three years away from really being – uh, to me anyway, a long-term starter for a really good team. So that's why I could see Turner sticking around for two to three more years. But, you know, I think Isaiah Jackson's going to have a good opportunity to get that starting position. So that's who I have at number four as well. Let's get into our top three. Flashy, number three, what you got? One thing I want to say real quick is yeah. that remember when they said Isaiah Jackson might not be seen this year? Like it was just going to be a year mm-hmm. of just kind of grow. I mean, whoo. I mean, if we weren't even supposed to see the man this year, and this is what we're seeing, let that get everybody excited. But <laughs> now when we hop in our top three, I have Chris Duarte. Number three at three. Num- it's only fitting, but Duarte spoiled us early. We got – if he ramped up, we would have been like, oh, wow, all right, yeah, hey, he's coming along. Instead, he was so hot in the beginning, 27 points on opening night. And Boom. over there, you know, the, the buzzer beaters, I mean, just putting up 20 points there, that big shots. So when, when he, you know, he had to come down to earth at some point, he's had some minor injuries right now. It's the toe injury, but I think that this guy is going to be very good in the league. I think he's going to be a really good scorer who continues to grow defensively. I think he's ready for a massive year two leap. If he has the full, you know, defined role, like we just saw him go back to the bench, you know, that wasn't great to see. I didn't know if Buddy Heald was going to go to the bench or not. Um, but if Duarte has the full green light, I, I think that there's there's a, a lot of potential there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how much the injuries that he suffered throughout the year, like we know about the toe now, he's been dealing with that for a while, had a shoulder injury too in the earlier parts of the year. Um, his numbers percentage-wise aren't great, just 43.4% from the field, 36.5% from three. They're not bad numbers, but you'd like to see them get up a little bit in percentages. So I think overall, though, for a rookie on a weird – team that you know basically went from being a playoff contender to a bottom dweller in the eastern conference averaging 13.3 points per game and and in and out of the starting lineup he's shown a lot of promise so give him a couple more years i think once he gets acclimated with tyrese halliburton this is going to be a really special moment for him so our final two who do you have at number two i got our top five draft pick and i hope it's top five i mean man if we slid it, it would be tough but look Assuming that it's top five, I think that you could swing for a home run pick over there. I think that there's there's a lot of potential. This draft, it remains to be seen if there is like that true, true franchise MVP type player. But this is going to be the best chance the Pacers have had to swing on one in 30 plus years. So yeah. my hope is that this pick has to be, this is, this is tough, sets a bar high, one of the most talented players in franchise history. Yeah, I agree with you. I had this number two as well. Um, you know, the draft is a crapshoot. It could be a Derek Williams. It could be a Mario Hazonia, or it could, or it could be the next Jason Tatum or someone like that. Not putting too much uh, pressure on this draft pick, yeah. but just saying in that range, it could be a De'Aaron Fox level player, um, even a Kristaps Porzingis level player. Like, look, Porzingis was a is still a good player, just not you know great, but. There's a lot of good talent at the top of the draft. I think it's just hitting on it and getting that draft pick in the right situation. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, we really need to hit on this draft pick. I I think that it's more important for the team to find the right player than, you know, than basically the player 
uh, putting all that pressure on the player. I think more pressure should be put on the, the scouting department and the front office to do enough due diligence to find the right piece here and not necessarily just pick based on fit. So um, our number one for both of us, Fachi, do us the honors and, and tell us about this man. Tyrese Halliburton, look, this man, it, it starts with him. I mean, mm. when I say it starts with him, he truly has it. There's something about watching his game that is just beautiful. Like, you can see him do, I mean, whether it's the steals. I mean, the, the shot doesn't look beautiful, but his percentages are. I, I just feel like this man is going to change the culture of the Pacers. He, I think he's going to be the player years from now that people want to play with. And we have not been a place that can draw those type of players, but mm-hmm. everybody loves to play with a player that gets them paid. And I think that Tyrese Halliburton could be someone that gets gets people paid he's a pass first point guard which is very hard to find and if the biggest knock on him is that he's not aggressive enough looking for his own shot then man we found something here we got ourselves a potential all-star in the I making think we do. i think he's closer to being an all-star than anybody else on this roster absolutely no offense malcolm brogdon no offense miles turner no offense christy Warte, but ty Reese halliburton looks to be a multi-time nba all-star he is the face of the franchise this is a franchise point guard for the next decade per Kevin Pritchard, love what he's bringing to the game, love his energy, love his smile, and not just him on the court, what he means for this team off the court, how he's already embraced the community. I think he's going to be the face of the franchise until he decides he does not want to be here anymore. Hopefully that never happens. Hopefully he retires a pacer and we can find ourselves competing in the playoffs multiple times, but I think he's a special player, Fachi, and, um, you know, I think the sky's the limit for what Halliburton can be as a, as a point guard in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. I mean, we truly hit a home run over here at the front office. I mean, I still cannot believe that they got this deal done because, look, you and I being big Sabonis guys, it would have been really easy to trade Sabonis and be like, man, I don't know about that. We're never looking back. Look, there, there is no <laughs> doubt about it. The Pacers hit this one out of the park, and I, I would have done that trade 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, and I mean, I'll admit when I was wrong, and I was wrong about the Moses Moody stuff at the draft. Like, Chris Duarte is a really good player, and I should have given him more credit than he than, than I gave him. I, I was so, you know, tapped into the we have to draft Moody thing, so I was a little bit overreactive there. With the Sabonis thing, look, only reason I felt like Sabonis was going to be here long-term is because I never thought in a million dreams Tyrese Halliburton would be available. With that being said... Maybe I was a little bit wrong in, in believing too much in Sabonis being the face of the franchise. I think, you know, what we're seeing in Sacramento, he's a good player. He really is. Sabonis is a really good player, uh, worthy of his all-star considerations. But at the same time, if he is your best player, which we've talked about it, your your ceiling is limited. So, you know, uh, I'll just be honest. Maybe I was a little bit too high on Domas, but at the same time, uh, there was a lot of other teams out there apparently just as high on him. And, and Sacramento being one of them by trading away potentially their best young prospect to to get him. Yeah, look, Sabonis, very good player, two-time All-Star. But when you look at Halliburton, it just looks like you're getting a, that multi-time All-Star that we talked about, but also the ability to make everybody around you better. And that raises the ceiling of your team. Yes, Sabonis, for, for a big man, was one of the best passing big men in the league. But Halliburton, just overall, could be one of the best distributors in the league. I mean, you look at it, this is a guy that, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but, I mean, if the Pacers are to have a guy average 10 assists in a season, I mean, you got to think that we're pretty successful. So yeah. that's something with Hal Burton that feels very obtainable for a full season. 
Absolutely. So we are going to take one more final break, and then Fachi is going to go one-on-one with Raphael Barlow. Um, where did where does he do his workout again, Fachi? So he's the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com, also yeah. commonly seen on the NBA Draft board with uh, Chad Ford. I mean, just a, a lot of great stuff. When you're looking for draft coverage, Raphael is your guy. I think you guys are going to love this interview. I got to hear most of it before uh, before posting this. So hopefully you guys check that out. Give Raphael a follow on Twitter, and we will be back uh, after Raphael and Fachi's one-on-one conversation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we are joined by a very special guest. We have Rafael Barlow, founder of NBADraftJunkies.com. He's the director of scouting for the NBA Big Board and overall NBA Draft guru. Rafael, what's going on? That's man. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate the guru title. It's always hilarious to me, but yeah, um, it's always a, a good opportunity to talk hoops. Absolutely. Hey, Rafael, I know there's still 20 or so games left for each NBA team, but us Pacer fans, we have our eyes set on something that most of us haven't even seen in our lifetime, and that's a single-digit draft pick. The Pacers have not picked inside the top 10 uh, in over 30 years, back when they took Rick Smith's uh, second overall in 1988. So odds are the Pacers should end up in the top five, but you never really know based on, you know, the NBA lottery. So I thought we'd start from basically looking at the top five overall. Right now, who do you have as your top pick in the draft? I actually have Ben Carroll. I know he's not the favorite right now. I, I had just posted a, a story on NBA Big Boy where I thought he was the favorite, and I got a ton of emails with people giving me break deep breakdowns and analysis on why he's not – but I like Van Carroll, man. He's 6'10", 250 pounds. He can create his own shot. He's a good passer. I don't think Duke has maximized his potential simply because they have other guards that, that need the ball. And there's not a lot of spacing, but he's someone that at 6'10", he can make plays out of pick and rolls. He can post up and good shooter off the dribble. I mean, the three-point shooting isn't that great, but over his last five games, I think he's shooting 38% from the floor. Had a nine assist game against Syracuse a few days ago. So I still have him as number one. I guess people forgot what he did earlier in the season against Kentucky and, and Gonzaga. But, uh, you know, I, I, I still think uh, he, he's the number one player. I'm very excited to see, you know, Paul in uh, March Madness. But, you know, two guys that are being talked about a lot. We have Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. You know, when you mentioned that, uh, Bancaro's uh, weighing 250. That's something that I like over Jabari. He's got about 40 pounds on him. But when you mention the three-point shooting, 
Jabari Smith, really good shooter right now for his size. Uh, tell me, you know, maybe what you like between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. I mean, saying Jabari is a good shooter for his size is kind of like not giving him enough credit. I agree. A- I'm underselling it. This man's a great yeah. shooter at his size. Yeah, great shooter, period. I mean, there's a lot of guards that don't shoot as well as he does, and then he, he shoots off the dribble. Um, but, that, I mean, I think that's his biggest his, his biggest asset. Uh, to be honest with you, coming into the season, I wasn't as high on Jabari. When I watched his AU film, I saw a guy that just took way too many threes. I didn't see him put the ball on the floor or post up. He's starting to post up a little bit more. Um, not the greatest finisher around the basket, but at 6'10", or however height they have him listed at, I guess we'll find out at the combine because, you know, they give guys a couple inches in school. But, I mean, he's a, a guy that can pick and pop. And the thing that I, I really underestimated about him was, one, the shooting, but how he's getting his shots. I mean, they're running him off of pin downs and action plays. And um, he has a nice two-dribble pull-up game. So, I mean, he's, he, he's definitely probably been the most uh, impressive out of the guys that I thought were going to be top 10 picks coming into the season. Like I said, I thought he's going to be a top 10 pick, but I wasn't as high on him. Um, I should say he's done the most to improve his, his draft stock. I mean, I think Chet has been about what I expected, uh, a great shot blocker very good shooter and um, can put the ball on the floor, agile. He's tough to compare to. I mean, that's one of the things everybody wants to do is find someone to compare him to. But at this point, I don't think you can compare him to anybody. Just got to let Chet be Chet. I think it's a great point. But by the numbers, his numbers are, they're honestly ridiculous. I mean, when when you just go through overall what he's doing this season. But I do think people maybe based on Chet's frame, they're a little bit skeptical, and maybe rightfully so, but I think when Mar- March Madness comes around, I do think people will uh, you know, jump on board because he, he's going to be a top pick. I see him – I don't really see him sliding out of the top three in any scenario, but, you know, hey, you know better than I do. But moving on to the next guy that all Pacer Nation wants to hear about, Jaden Ivey. Look, he's at Purdue. Uh, right now, the Pacers, you know, it's going to be very, very tough to get into that top three, but – Right now, the fourth, fifth pick seems very obtainable for the Pacers. What do you like most about Jaden Ivey's game, and how do you think he'll translate in the NBA? I like this game a lot. Actually, on my last big board, it was kind of controversial. I actually kind of had him falling <laughs> to the Pacers. And one of the, the I guess, the, the captions I made was, he'll save a lot of money on, on moving. And I wanted to call it Conceco Fieldhouse. I don't know the new name of the Gamebridge arena Gamebridge Fieldhouse. <laughs> Yep. It'll always be Conseco to me. I agree. Like, I agree. You know, it's the, you know, it's always the Boston Garden, even though it was what TV Garden. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's where I had him going at six. I think I had the, the Kings gambling on AJ Griffin, and then I had the Thunder selecting uh, Jalen Duran just for more so of a positional need. I don't think they need another guard, even though you're not supposed to draft for, for fit anyway at that in the top top half of the draft. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. I think that he would be a good complement to Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, if, if the Pacers are lucky enough to draft him, I think Malcolm Brogdon would be on the move. But I think that um, Ivy's just, I mean, to, the athleticism, the burst, the speed, um, three-point shooting has improved a lot. I mean, that was the biggest concern coming into the season, and 
I don't have the numbers in front of me, but last time I looked, it was almost like a 20 point percentage increase from his freshman to sophomore years on, on about the same number of attempts. So that just kind of shows that he's put in the work and um, I mean, he's exciting. I think the success John ja Morant is having this season has to help Ivy's draft stock some, even though Ivy's done a lot on his own. And um, I, I mean, I, I would like to see the fit personally. I think it just makes the most sense. All Pacer fans have sold themselves on, on Jaden Ivey going to Indiana. So, look, we would love it. And you mentioned John Morant. I've heard that comparison before. NBA comparisons, they're very tough because you want to let, just like you said, let Chet be Chet, maybe let Jaden Ivey be Jaden Ivey. But when it seems like there's a lot of bigs at the top of the draft board and then there's Jaden Ivey, does it feel like maybe he's a type of player that can have that type of impact? that John Morant had, because I love the pairing next to Tyrese Halliburton. I think it gives the Pacers a lot of options, but is this someone from day one that you feel is NBA ready? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the biggest question mark or concern I have is what is his best position? I think that the difference between him and Ja was Ja is a really good passer. I know he is one of the best passers in this draft class. I think Ivy is more so of a, I wouldn't say he's like a exceptional passer, but with his speed, I mean, really all he has to do is drive and kick and, and, and dump off. I mean, you look at Westbrook, I wouldn't say Westbrook. And, you know, of course, it's, that's not a name people want to be compared to. Now, <laughs> not right now. Westbrook has great vision, but he's a guy that was still able to put up 10 assists per game just off of his aggressiveness and, you know, whether it's just using his speed to get into the paint and, and, and dump it off or drive a kick to the corner, I think Ivy can at least do that. Um, I think his he'd probably be most effective as a point guard just because, with like I said, with his speed, he can get downhill. But if he is most effective with the ball in his hands, then Tyrese Halliburton is a, a perfect complement because he doesn't need to dominate the ball. and He can shoot. He can play both positions. And he can defend um, twos with his size and length. So I, I actually like that combination. I really do. I've already sold myself on it, but a lot still needs to be determined. But most draft boards, you know, you'll see in no specific order, you know, you got Bancaro, you got Chet Holmgren, you got Jabari Smith, you got Jaden Ivey. Then it seems like that fifth overall pick seems to be rotating a bit. I call him the mystery box, but can you shed a little bit of light on Shaden Sharp? Because a lot of people are intrigued. From what I read, he'd be the top prospect in 2023. However, when he reclassified, went to Kentucky, you know, he's not going to play, but he's practicing with them all the time. What do we need to know about Shaden? And is it a reach to perhaps take him at fifth overall? It's a gamble. I mean, I think 2023, I think at the minimum, he would have been third or at least projected third because Wimbayama's probably the favorite to go number one. And then you got Henderson in the G League. It's a gamble. And the reason I say it's a gamble is because, I mean, you can look in the years past, there's been guys that were the number one high school player in the country and they lived up to the height. But then there's guys like Scal Abissier in 2015, who is 25 and he's out of the league. Or even if you just go back a few months ago, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Peyton Watson, uh, Yannick Sosa, um let's see uh you know you got the kid Harry from, Giles had injuries you know he was number one overall recruit so you know it's, yeah. it's been tough a while back yeah. Shabazz Muhammad was was really up there did not work out for him so it's it's a mixed bag 
Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I go by what I see on college, you know, I mean, I, I use the high school film a little bit just to see what a guy can do. Like, for example, with Paolo, he played a lot of he had a lot of ball handling duties in, in high school and AAU, and he doesn't really have them at Duke, but it gives me like a, a frame of what he can do as, you know, as a passer. But other than that, I go by what I see on, on college. I mean, you, it, it's just tough for me because everybody's great in high school. All of these guys that are highly touted were great in high school and some of them kind of fall off a little bit once they go to the next level. And I think for him, it's probably the safest like if you're risk averse it's the safest thing for him to enter the draft now but it puts all the risk on on the team and and I know like he wasn't even a top 100 player at this time last year so he had his breakout at the Nike EYBL Peach Jam and fortunately for him scouts were allowed to NBA scouts were allowed to come this year because of COVID they missed last year whatever so he did have a, a strong performance in front of NBA scouts. And I think who's ever advising him must have realized like, hey, your stock is not going to get us any higher than it is. Let's make some adjustments. Let's be kind of strategic about this and put yourself in the draft, which I guess is not official, official. But at the minimum, I think he's going to end up being a top 10 pick without scoring a single basket. I mean, he has as many rebounds, assists, and points as me and you right now. He's going to yep. Be a top 10 pick. Look, for, for the Pacers, it could be a bit risky because this pick truly is everything. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Pacers haven't had a single-digit pick since 1988. So who knows when we'll be back here. But this pick right now, where the franchise is at, uh, it's truly everything. So a guy like Jaden Ivey, where there is a, a two-year sample size compared to Shaden Sharp, who has not played a collegiate game, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to – Sell yourself on Shane Sharp, but someone will. I think they'll get a very talented player. But my co-host, Alex, uh, while he couldn't be here, he's very intrigued by Nikola Jovic, 6'10", point forward out of Serbia. What can you tell us uh, about Jovic where we might not be as familiar with his game? He, he's always been highly regarded in Europe. I was going to say here in Europe, but I, I am in Europe right now. And I actually just left Belgrade what he's playing at and uh, I went to a tournament and um, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to see him play uh, because right now there's like a national team window where guys are playing in, in these different qualifiers and uh, I, I missed the game that that he actually played but I like him 6'10 versatile I think he can play both forward positions good passer you know solid shooter He's not having the best year right now. I think he he just kind of got off to a, a slow start. But, I mean, the skills are there. Like I said about Ben Carroll, you don't really find too many guys that height that can shoot, pass, play in the post, create their own shot. And one of the things I like about Jovic is that, you know, a lot of European players, they're very team-oriented. I mean, their development is team first, team first, team first. And to the point where I think there's a lot of international players that can play in the NBA, but they don't necessarily make it because maybe they're just not selfish enough. And sometimes I think you have to be selfish if you're playing on bad teams. So if you're on a bad team and you're trying to play the right way all the time, then you may only get like four points and you could end up in a bad situation. So the thing I like about Jovic is he has some 
takeover in his game. Like he will try to 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 dominate an opponent that he thinks can't guard him. So um, I had made the comment when I saw him play this summer was I thought that he looks like he studied a lot of Jason Tatum films. So you see him in the mid post. I so not I'm not expecting him to be the type of scorer Tatum is, but it looks like he's studied his game and he has the the mindset to take over games if needed. He has an aggressive scorer's mindset, which is something you don't really see with a ton of European players. And um, just because the individual skill development is like the last stage of their development, and they're all like, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I've spent so much time over here that like in Europe, you don't see guys score 18 points a game. Like even with Luca, as great as Luca is, the year he won MVP in the final four, he only averaged like 14 points a game. So that just shows kind of like the team mindset. And But Jovic has that I will take over. I will score 20 if I need to help my team win mindset. And that's what I like about him. No, you made a great point because, you know, I remember – Back then, when I, you know, when I was looking into international prospects, I'd be puzzled when guys would go fifth overall and average, you know, six points per game. And I was like, what? I, I don't understand. How is this guy going above someone who averaged 20 in college? But the game's just so different over there that, you know, it's, it's a great point. It's more of a team atmosphere. Um, but we touched on guys that we see maybe in, you know, the, the top of the board. But the Pacers also have the Cleveland Cavaliers first round pick from the Karis LeVert trade. That pick should be slated roughly 20th to 25th overall. Are there any names to keep in mind that could be in that range? Because it feels like that range is always changing with, with draft picks and will continue to change. Who are some people we should be looking out for? Oh, man, it's, it's a lot of guys. Lot. I really think 15 through 35, I don't think there's that much of a difference. If, mm -hmm. if someone goes 16th, I wouldn't be shocked if that same player goes 34th. I still wouldn't be shocked. Um, man, I mean, I think like there's some guys that I would that I would like to see the Pacers grab. I mean, I would like to see them if they're committed to miles at the at the five. I would like to see them maybe get like a, a, a stretch four that could shoot. I mean, I have a few guys that I'm that I'm pretty high on that may not be a positional need or whatever, but like Alondis Williams from um, Wake Forest, he's having a phenomenal year, but he's a, a point guard. Um, trying to think who else is in that range that, that you can get. I like EJ Liddell from Ohio State. Uh, Wendell Moore is someone that I'm actually high on. And here's the thing about Wendell Moore that I, I want to help people understand Wendell Moore is a junior and he's only 20 years old, right? Mm -hmm. While Ty Ty Washington, who's projected top 10 pick, is like two months younger than him and he's a freshman. I think Wendell Moore is getting penalized because he went, he entered college so young and he's developed like right where he should. But, you know, college, the longer you stay, the, the more your stock declines, it seems. But Moore is averaging like 13 points a game, five and a half rebounds, 4.6 assists. He's shooting 40% from three. I think he's a connective tissue that should be available in that range. Then you have Christian Brown from Kansas, who's had a, a good year. Um, a center that I've actually had a chance. 
chance to interview and watch him work out and see him play twice. Ismail Kamagate from Paris Basket. Paris Basketball, 6'11", 220, athletic, plays hard. Even though the Pacers have Batadze, and uh, I, I like Jackson a lot, but he could be available. Um, then there's some guys that were like projected lottery picks coming into the season that could fall in that range, whether it's Usman Jang, who's playing in New Zealand right now, Bryce McGowans, Caleb Houston. Um, I like Hugo Besson. I mean, there's so many guys. I can just go on. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. And that's the part about the draft that I really, really like this year is that, you know, the teams really have to do their homework because there's not a big difference, like I said, between 15 and 35. And you can end up with a guy in the early first round that outproduces the lottery pick. So that's that's why this draft is so intriguing to me. Oh, very much. And the Pacers are also slated to pick again at 33 uh, because they have the Houston Rockets pick. So, you know, that falls in range that just like you mentioned, that 15 and 35, it's going to be very interchangeable. Last year, Deuce McBride, someone I was very high on uh, being a West Virginia graduate. You know, he was projected to be a first round pick. He slid to the second round. Same with Sharif Cooper. You know, he had a, he had a big fall there. I saw some mocks that had him right around 20th, and then he fell to Atlanta in the second round. So you never know who's going to take a, you know, a solid fall. But uh, there's there's a lot of intriguing prospects for the Pacers to be picking, you know, three picks in the top 33. But you mentioned a few different things. You mentioned age. And pick, and pick 60. <laughs> yeah, yep. And the reason I think pick 60 could be good is because I expect to see a lot of agents trying to do what I call the Austin Reeves route where Austin Reeves had teams that wanted to draft him, but his agent was like, no, don't draft him. Uh, we want, we want a, a guaranteed deal. And basically he just ended up allowing, he wanted Austin and his agent is a, someone that I consider a friend, but their plan was instead of having a team draft Austin, he didn't want him to get drafted so he could pick, basically like being a free agent, pick which team gave him the best opportunity to play on a two-way deal. And it's, it's actually worked out for Austin. I mean, the Lakers aren't doing good, but I mean, he is in the rotation and he's playing as an undrafted rookie. So I think you're going to see quite a few agents try to go that route, which means some of the guys that you know, who may fall outside of the first round may do the same thing, which means there's going to be guys that are going to be available at 60 that, that, um, that, that the Pacers could actually, you know, develop. So. Well, I'm definitely think, intrigued by that. Um, yeah. At pick 60, look, that, that that's a luxury at this point, but you mentioned before age, how age could, you know, hurt some players. And then also you mentioned Isaiah Jackson, who the Pacers have now, the Pacers took Chris Duarte, 13th overall, you know, 24-year-old rookie, not common at all. Um, and then also they they made a trade up uh, to get Isaiah Jackson. Now, those two picks have been some of the more promising Pacer rookies that I could remember, especially in one draft class. Uh, what, what were your initial thoughts on Duarte and Isaiah Jackson going into last year's draft? Um, I thought Duarte was the most NBA ready in a sense. I mean, you knew that he was going to come in and be ready. You knew what you were getting because of his age. And then, um, you know, of course, when Carlisle went there, the jokes kind of wrote themselves. Carlisle doesn't like young guys. Mm -hmm. Heard that a lot. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure you did. And then Jackson is someone that I felt like he had way more talent than he was able to showcase at Kentucky. I, I watched his film like 
at the very beginning of the season when he was just kind of blocking shots. And then I watched this film again at the end of the season and he just made some plays. I'm like, you know what, this, this guy is more than a shot blocker. You get the right development team there. And of course he has to be willing to put in the work, but I think that he could, he could be an NBA starter down the road. So I like both picks for the Pacers. Um, definitely contrasting because <laughs> you got a, a, a guy that was a, a college vet at, at 24. And then you had a guy like Jackson who's still kind of raw and, and very young. So, um, you know, the Pacers did, uh, they, they picked on both ends the spectrum, but spectrum, but um, I mean, I like the draft overall. Definitely needed to nail those picks. And I think the Pacers did. I mean, the whole fan base is very pleased with Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. Um, you know, Duarte, 27 points in his, in his opening on opening night, you know, really, like you mentioned, NBA ready. Uh, so I think we got a little spoiled with how hot of a start he got off to. And then Isaiah Jackson, that shot, it's starting to come. I mean, you could see flashes that he's going to develop a three-point shot. Great shot blocker, yeah. most athletic player on the team by far. So a lot of great qualities as he'll continue to get better and better. Uh, but before we start to, to wrap up, I wanted to, you know, mention that or go into – who do you think might be the player in the top 10 that you might want to avoid or in your gut feeling, it's like, man, he's talented, but five years from now, I don't know if it's going to work. Oh man, you put me on the hot seat there. Hopefully it's get hot. I mean, I, I want your audience to be big, but you know, hopefully <laughs> the eight isn't listening and <laughs> it has a, I actually had that was critical of a, a player and his agent unfollow me on all social media and, and all that type of stuff so mm-hmm. I guess the the more I guess my name is out there the more I don't know whether you can say it, it's power that I have or influence that I have but also you know someone may feel like if I do have that type of influence I can help or hurt their their client um, but I think AJ Griffin is somebody that of course you know he has the injuries that you know date back to high school so I mean I think that could be like a red flag not not necessarily his game but you know the 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 medicals are going to be important for him we already talked about um um Shaden Sharp you know who very 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 small sample size so you don't know what you're getting out of him um maybe even Ty Ty Washington I like Ty Ty a lot but like I just made the case earlier, I mean, he's just two months younger than Wendell Moore. So he was a guy that kind of built his name from having a, a good high school career. But now looking back at it, he was 19 in high school. I, I know when I was 19, I was a sophomore in college. Same. I, think I, turned, I think I turned 20 like a week before my junior year started. So I imagine I probably would have been pretty good at high school if I was playing high school ball at 19. Um then you got the G League Ignite guys that, that could end up. I think the player that it wouldn't shock me to see him end up in, as a lottery pick, even though the numbers don't suggest it and he's more sexy than than having substance to his substance to his game is Patrick Baldwin Jr. I mean, you look at you look at him physically, he's 6'10, can handle the ball a little bit. He's supposed to be able to shoot. That was supposed to be one of his strengths. And I mean, you just look at him and you see all the tools of a, a, a modern-day versatile four. But, I mean, he's been bad this year. I think it's like 34% from the floor, 26% from three, and he's not even dominating a mid-major conference. But somebody might select him in the lottery just because they feel like 
he has the tools and they believe in their development program. So he would be someone that, even though I don't know if he's going to go that high, would be the biggest red flag to me. So Patrick Baldwin Jr. was a major name going into this year. And you're completely right in terms of it just has not worked out. And, and I feel like that's someone whose draft stock took a major hit. But, you know, to your point over there, Zaire Williams uh, last year was another <laughs> player that struggled mightily. And I think, you know, he's worked out pretty well for Memphis Grizzlies this year. So maybe someone takes that, that leap because I did not expect Zaire to end up going 10th overall to Memphis, especially when they traded up. So, you know, who knows? Maybe you're onto something over there. Uh, my last question would be, who rises to the top when it's all said and done? Is there a true star MVP, real face of the franchise in this draft? Oh, man, that's that's tough. Because I mean, even when I look at Chet, I see a very good, complimentary piece mm -hmm. right I don't see him as a guy that you just give the ball to at the end of the shot clock and say go get me a bucket even with Jabari as good as he is I still think he has a ways to go of being able to create his own shot like he's good at you know on the move but he's not someone right now that I can envision where you just say okay end of the shot clock give the ball to him and he's going to get you a high volume shot I do think Bancaro has that because not only does he have like a, a, a physical advantage if you put a small on him, but he can, he's skilled enough to get by guys his size and he, he's a good passer. You know, I feel like in today's NBA, it's tough to be a really effective scorer if you're not a good ball mover. I mean, you look at the best players in the NBA, they can all create for others, whether it's Luca, Trey Young, Harden. Jokic, you know, all these guys are, are pretty good passers. Um, but I would say, like, I mean, I think Jaden Ivey could be that guy. He could end up being a face of the franchise superstar type player. So I would say between those four. I would say you officially sold Pacer Nation on, on Jaden Ivey. No receipt. We are not looking back after that because that's all we needed. But – Raphael, I definitely want to thank you for coming on. It's been a blast. I mean, we're really getting excited with March Madness right around the corner. But tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome content that you have out there. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. I'm glad we were able to, to, to make it work. Thank you for kind of fitting along my schedule. I'm, I'm in Europe right now, so it's like a six or seven hour time difference. Um, but yeah, you can find me at Barlow 500, B-A-R-L-O-W-E 500. That is my Twitter handle. Um, NBADraftJunkies.com is my website. Uh, I have a YouTube page there. And then recently I just was hired as the director of scouting for Chat Force NBA Big Board. So I have content three days a week there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of crazy now that I – with that in my Locked On podcast, so that's on – Mondays and Thursdays, locked on NBA draft. That I'm, I have content that's coming out five days a week. Hopefully, I, um, I have enough endurance to where I don't, <laughs> that I don't uh, run out of stuff to talk about <laughs> in June. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm easy to find. There's, you know, five days out of the week, you can find some of my content. So, love it. And really appreciate you coming on. And guys, everybody, make sure you check out his content because this is one of the funnest times of the year. And hey. 
with our Pacers looking like we're slide, uh, slated towards the top five pick, I mean, you're going to want to tune into what Raphael has going on. So, Raphael, I appreciate you. Anytime. Anytime you want me on, let me know. We can make it happen. We will make that happen. Thanks a lot. All right, Fachi, awesome stuff by you and Raphael. A little bit of a longer show today, but hey, we hope you guys have enjoyed the content and enjoyed all of the segments that we did. But uh, maybe some of your biggest takeaways there from Raphael. Man, he loves the Jaden Ivey to the Pacers fit. Uh, and I think that makes uh, a lot of us. Um, so <laughs> that was definitely encouraging to see. Um, you know, he, he also, you no, know, he wasn't, uh, there was no real major red flags for players. Uh, he, he definitely likes the shooting capabilities of Jabari Smith a lot, which, you know, I, it's, it's hard to not like that. So I would just say the biggest takeaway is that he really does like the Jaden Ivey fit with Halliburton. And that really got me excited. Okay, man, I, I know that you do it better than I do, but can you give me one of your best I'm jacked up for me because I can't do it at the same time or the same level as your intensity? Hearing the Jaden Ivey with the Pacers fit had me absolutely jacked up. Uh, can you change the Jaden Ivey fit to the Nikola Jovich fit? Because Ooh. you got my question in there for me. I couldn't make the interview. And, you know, just hearing him talk about Jovich being a guy that can play both three and four, handle the ball, you know, in the European leagues, you guys talked about it, how you're able or more, more of those guys are team oriented. They don't take over games. It's very team first. But he said that Jovic has the ability to take over and he's a point forward. I think that's a great fit for this team. Um, even if he's with the second unit, running the second unit, I know international guys are interesting, in, interesting and you don't really know what to expect. But my man, uh, my man Richard from Mavs Draft was the first one that brought him to my attention really liked him and then I've just been paying more attention Raphael seemed to really like him so I'm just sitting here man I'm really getting excited about Nikolaevic as a potential sec uh, you know second pick for the Pacers in the first round hey maybe if he slides a little bit and the Pacers are able to work some magic with you know the Cavs pick the Rockets pick maybe something else and they trade up it's maybe it's possible I mean if you're telling me that the Pacers can do something like take Jay Nivey and Nikolaevic in the same draft I know I'm getting carried away here, but that's how excited I am. Yeah, well, you can just go ahead. If that if that happens, you can just change Kevin Pritchard's name to Orlando because he is magic. But with that being said, uh, where can the people find us at on social media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. Find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited to see Jaden Ivey play Indiana on Saturday at 2 o'clock, say these three words. Let's go, Pacers! <laughs>